This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and joining me this week is Lindsay McPherson, who is a budget and appropriations and politics reporter at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Lindsay. Thanks for having me back, David. And we want to focus today on the whole aid package coming together in Congress, because it looks like the next two weeks is going to be the real crunch period for getting this thing done. There's a lot of pressure to get aid done, both for Ukraine and for the pandemic, uh, Democratic leaders seem eager to package those together. Republicans are resisting doing that. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces here. So we want to dissect that a little bit and see where we are in this process, uh, because we know that staff is even going to be meeting over this weekend to try to put the finishing touches on this in the Senate. So Lindsay, you've been covering a lot of this, and we just learned through your reporting that there's also a last-minute hiccup in these talks that could that could cause a further complication in, in getting some kind of compromise together. Right. So I reported basically that Senate Agriculture Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow is pushing to extend pandemic waivers for that allow school meals to provide universal free meals to children, regardless of their income. These used to be income-based programs, um, and during the pandemic, they made them more universal. And these waivers um, that the agricultural department um, put in place during the pandemic to allow for that are set to expire June 30th. So she ha- she and other Democrats had tried to get that in the omnibus funding bill back in March. McConnell objected. That's the Republican leader, Mitch McConnell. So ultimately, it was not included in the omnibus. And so, you know, with the deadline approaching... She definitely sees this COVID aid package, which, like you mentioned, might be combined with the Ukraine aid. They're still deciding that, but a lot of Democrats, including Stabenow, would like to see them combined. And so she sees the COVID aid package as the logical vehicle in which to do it because it is pandemic related. Um, But obviously, McConnell, having opposed it before, is likely to be an obstacle. You know, his spokesperson told me that basically the president... Biden never even requested in his budget that the waivers be extended and that they were always meant to be temporary. And so I think, you know, Republicans, I think, are ready for some of these pandemic programs to lapse, and that's definitely one of them. But Democrats would like to see it in place. Um, It's also expanded so that they can serve these meals during summer programs. And so the time crunch is a lot of schools are getting ready for these summer programs, and some school districts, they'll start later this month some in June. Um, And there's not a lot of time to extend these waivers if they're going to be in place for those students attending summer programs. Yeah. So that's an interesting partisan fight now, because this this is another ideological clash over how much pandemic aid is needed, right? They did make these school meals universally available regardless of income 
during the height of the pandemic, the question, so now the question is Republicans can say, well, look, the pandemic's basically over, unemployment's down to 3.6%, everybody's working. What is the rationale for extending this? And what do Democrats say to that? It just too many people are still hurting, I guess. And so they got to keep doing it. They want to do it for one more year. And I mean, the pandemic is not fully over. And so I'm sure there are some parts of the country where this would be beneficial. And, you know, Sabanow was saying there's like 30 million children who would be impacted by it in terms of how they get access. I think it's also a nutrition issue for Democrats. I think inherently they probably would like these universal free meals in general because it allows kids with a little bit more of a modest income that wouldn't qualify normally to have access to healthy meals through their schools. So uh, there are different policy rationales for it, but it is a priority for Democrats to get it at least one more year. So they have this fight, although it's hard for me to believe that however that gets resolved, that it would actually hold up the aid package, right? I mean, at some point, one side or the other will give in on that issue to get this thing out the door. Yeah, Democrats let it go in the omnibus, maybe because they thought there would be another vehicle in which to fight for it. And certainly in the omnibus, as you know, they took out the COVID supplemental funding. And that's why this is this, this separate package has become an issue is because it was taken out of the omnibus. It would have passed more easily in the omnibus. Republicans had agreed to it. It's Democrats who objected to some of the offsets for that. So I just think they think that it's the last chance to do it. It probably is the last vehicle they'd have before June 30th um, to do it. So I don't know exactly how much of a fight they're going to push on it. But certainly if everything else gets resolved and that's the last little thing, I don't think they're going to hold up everything else over that one issue. But who knows? And then we still have this basic issue, Lindsay, of how to package this stuff. Does Ukraine aid move separately as Republicans want? Or are Democrats able to tie in the extra money they say is needed for COVID-19 for vaccines and therapeutics and testing that the administration says they're running out of money for and they really need to get going? And the problem with combining them is Republicans have said any pandemic aid that moves, they're going to insist on this amendment on immigration over this so-called Title 42, which is expelling migrants from entering who try to enter the country during the pandemic they want to the administration wants to lift that policy republicans want to keep it in place that seems to be the biggest hurdle right it certainly is the reason they haven't 100% decided to combine them is that title 42 amendment issue democrats want to combine them they think that's the fastest way to get both done but at the same time They don't want to be seen as holding up the Ukraine aid if there's still a dispute over Title 42 and it's not been resolved and there's no clear way in which to just move it and get it going. So pretty much every Democrat um, on the Senate side, except for Chuck Schumer, has said they want him to be combined. Schumer's been pretty coy about his strategy. He's talked about the importance of both aid packages, but he's just repeatedly declined to say whether he would combine them. And so I think he's just kind of holding out both options as the negotiations continue. And I think they would like to just also have a final agreement on the text of the supplemental, which like you mentioned, they're working on through this weekend. 
before they make these process decisions. You know, they haven't even decided whether the package would start in the House or the Senate. The House typically does move appropriate bills first, but the Senate already had this vehicle for the COVID aid that they had set up and filed cloture on. They had a failed um, procedural vote on it, but they Schumer had changed his vote to no, so you can call it back up. And so he can do that more quickly than they could with like a brand new vehicle. So I mean, there, there are different advantages to starting in the Senate as well. Certainly making sure if they are combined that they can get the combined package through the filibuster and get enough Republican support for it. So they have a lot of decisions to make, but you know, I think they're reserving some of those thornier decisions until the actual text is done and finalized and agreed to. And we should remind people that what the Senate had agreed to previously, tentatively, was a $10 billion COVID-19 package fully paid for by tapping some unspent money from previous pandemic relief laws. But it's less than half of the amount of money the administration wanted. They were asking for $22.5 billion. Doesn't seem like they're going to get that much. But there is a push to do a little more than the $10 billion now, right? Because they do want to put some international pandemic assistance in there. So there is, particularly on the Democrat side, this push. And it's not that there's not some Republican support for that international funding. There was, a, you know, the administration had proposed, and in the original omnibus agreement that I mentioned that they had taken out of the omnibus, there was $5 billion for international. Democrats are really trying to up include that and potentially even up the COVID money more than that, but they had the agreement with Republicans based on the amount of offsets, and they ca- that's what they came up with was ten billion in offsets. That's why there was only ten billion in funding. So, I think that could create another problem. Is I think Republicans want all of the COVID aid to be offset. They're fine with the Ukraine aid being emergency spending, but they do want to offset the COVID aid. So if they Democrats try to increase that funding, then they have to renegotiate offsets. I believe, to get enough Republican support to get it through the Senate. So they've got a lot of issues to work through. Um, It definitely is not coming together as quickly as some would like to see. The Republicans this week were a little frustrated that the Ukraine package was taking so long. Yeah, the Ukraine package seems to have broad bipartisan support. I haven't really heard any controversy about that. Everybody's okay with, with borrowing to pay for it, just increasing the deficit as emergency spending. And this was a $33 billion package that the that the White House has requested both for military and humanitarian and economic aid for Ukraine and allies. Uh, seems like that's going right through. There'd probably be some little tweaks to it. We'll see when the bill comes out. There may be some little changes to it, but it doesn't sound like anything major. That part's pretty much in place. The question really is this pandemic aid that seems to be the main hurdle, both on how much, right? Is it $10 billion? Is it $15 billion? How do you pay for it if you're going to up the ante, as you pointed out? And this Title 42 immigration dilemma that they have not resolved. It did seem as though, Lindsay, Dick Durbin, the number two Democrat in the Senate, was suggesting to reporters yesterday that they were working on some kind of, he was very coy, we really don't know what he was talking about, but working on some kind of a fix for Title 42, we're finding some kind of compromise that maybe both parties could live with on this that might be a way out of the Title 42 dilemma. 
I'm not sure you know any any more of it. He was pretty coy, it seemed to me. He really didn't spill the beans on what they were talking about. But it sounded like they were really struggling to find a way to maybe resolve that issue. He definitely didn't provide a lot of detail, but basically what he said is that where they were looking to find common ground is on not necessarily like lifting or extending Title 42, but that would come along with it, but like language that would specify how uh, DHS has to deal with the expected surge of migrants at the border. So, you know, Secretary Mayorkas has laid out a plan and some Democrats and a lot of Republicans don't think that plan is sufficient to deal with the expected surge of migrants once Title 42 is lifted, which right now is scheduled for May 23rd. And so Durbin is saying if they can come up with some kind of compromise, for example, Cinema and Cornyn have had a bill for a while that would deal with border security and processing migrants and stuff um, and kind of maybe merge that with my Orcas plan that they're just kind of working on solutions for dealing with the migrant surge that might at least resolve um, the Democrats concerns. I'm not sure that when, when it would make enough Republicans be willing to let title 42 be lifted. So it's, it's a pair it's not a guaranteed outcome, but they are at least talking about it versus before they were like, we're not going to allow tidy title 42 amendment. And they weren't even bothering to negotiate. It does sound like it was in early stages. So if they do decide to combine the packages, I think it's going to take some time to figure out how they resolve that. So I, which is why I think Schumer's holding out both options. Cause I think if their Ukraine package is ready to go and they've not figured out this title 42 issue, I could see them moving Ukraine separately. Like I said, Democrats don't want to be seen as holding up important aid. That is a tricky balance because, you know, there's a war going on every single day matters. There are people dying every day. And so the longer you do hold up this Ukraine package, you know, even when they pass it, it takes, it seems like it takes weeks and weeks for the weapons to actually get over there and get into the hands of fighters. So every day you delay it, it really is a concern. The, the optics of this become complicated to, to, keep, to keep waiting on this. So they have, they have to resolve this other thing quickly if they want to package him together. I think they know that, though. Right. As of this week, the administration officials are saying there was only a couple hundred billion left from the prior aid package that they have to draw down on. And so, yeah, they're moving through those couple hundred million here and there. But the point is they're near the end of what they previously had approved, which was 13 billion total, um, if I recall correctly. And so, yes, they uh, are down to a couple hundred million of that. Right. They had, they did like 13 and a half billion dollars worth just, just two months ago in aid to Ukraine. But the White House says it's pretty much gone pretty quickly now. So the pressure is on to get that wrapped up. And even, Lindsay, as they try to debate working in pandemic aid into this package. There's another piece of this, which we haven't even talked about yet that, that you're reporting on, which is this push to provide more relief for restaurants and other small businesses that have been hit during the pandemic with the economic shutdowns. That's been on a separate track so far. There's this bipartisan bill we've written about, both in the House and the Senate, that would replenish this restaurant relief fund with over $40 billion and provide billions more for some other industries. But we don't know whether that would get attached to this 
bigger aid package or not, and they still have to resolve differences between the House and Senate over the composition of this business aid. Bring us up to date on that, because that's a whole other aspect of this. So Senator Cardin, the small business chairman, Ben Cardin. um, Of Maryland. Yeah, leading this effort in the Senate. And he told me yesterday that he definitely wants to get it as an amendment to the COVID Ukraine package if it becomes a combined package and is open to amendment. And that's a lot of ifs. One, we don't know it's going to be combined. We already talked about that. And we don't know it'll be open to amendment if it is open to amendments because they have resolved that Title 42 thing. So assuming all goes to plan and all that happens, then he thinks he can get it as an amendment. Schumer has supported it in the past. um, And he believes there will be bipartisan support for it. He thinks all 50 Democrats will ultimately support it. And he said Senator Wicker is working on getting the Republicans, but he's he and Wicker have both been optimistic that, you know, if it came time to have a vote on this, there'd be 10 Republicans. I don't think that's guaranteed by any means. Um, a lot of people we talked to shortly after the recess weren't quite familiar with the bill yet. They had introduced it before the past the two week Easter Passover recess. Um, and there are differences with the House. So. The main difference is the way they treat other businesses. The, the bills are similar in terms of the restaurant money. They, um, Senate has $40 billion to backfill the restaurant relief fund. The House has 42 so that's not a big difference. They can resolve that. Um, but the House ha- put $13 billion in to a new grant program for hard-hit industries. And the big difference is their program was based solely on revenue loss and the size of the business. And it, it didn't... Sp- specify or rule out any industries that would qualify. So it was, you know, they described it as industry neutral. And then the Senate has this 8 billion total, but it's split between very specific types of business and they have much more strict requirements on who would qualify. You know, for example, they are giving money to businesses in areas of, you know, both the U S Mexico border and the U S Canada border that, you know, get a lot of business from people, international commerce um, and they were impacted uh, their businesses were impacted by border closures they have money going to buses and ferries they've got money going to gyms they've got money going to uh, companies like lighting and stage and casting companies that so provide- very specific they really they really pinpointed specific companies and industries that they thought needed the help uh, to the point of excluding anyone else right Right. And so I, in my reporting recently, I've talked to a lot of businesses and in in different industries that have not got like any targeted aid yet from other than, you know, a lot of them have qualified for PPP loans, but those are pretty small awards for some people, but they haven't seen much help from Congress. Otherwise, I were talking about, I talked to an assisted living facility owner in their industry and, you know, they said it's a big miseducation campaign because people think they got relief under the provider relief fund and ultimately they did but originally um, the provider relief fund was written in a like the rules were written in a way that they were giving aid through medicare um, numbers and they assisted living facilities are private pay so they don't have medicare reimbursement numbers and so they had to rewrite the rules and by the time they did that most of the funding was gone so it's just things that like lawmakers hadn't thought of like when i mentioned the Senate bill has money for companies that provide lighting and stages and stuff for this is their bill is prescriptive that that has to be they have to get 70% of their revenue from companies like theaters like 
um, concert venues, people that qualified under that um, shuttered venue operator grant program that existed. And so, so I talked to a guy who owns a lighting company out in Oregon, where he does a lot of events, but they're corporate events and weddings and memorial services and things that aren't necessarily in the theater um, concert realm. And so he didn't, he doesn't have 70% of his revenue from those type of venues. So he wouldn't qualify under the Senate bill. Similar, another guy does party rentals for, you know, similar events, corporate events, weddings, stuff like that. And he rents like tables and chairs and wouldn't qualify because of the strict requirements of the Senate bill. That's where the Senate bill gets really tricky with all these restrictions and the House bill doesn't. So they have to resolve that. That that does seem tricky. Um, Does Cardin think that that he has the votes, though, in the Senate, at least to get his bill attached? He, I mean, he and Waker have both sounded like ultimately they believe they'll get there. But they, you know, when I've talked to both of them recently, neither is committing that they have them locked down yet. And to be honest, it doesn't seem like they're really like whipping it per se, that they're really working a list and keeping track of the numbers. And Cardin has said that, you know, on the Republican side, that's been up to Wicker and that's going to be the hardest side to get. So, And we should say that, that Republicans will be concerned about this restaurant and aid and business aid package because it, it basically ups the deficit again. It's mostly not paid for. I think Cardin did have one offset in there tapping some unspent money from the Paycheck Protection Program is my recollection. $5 billion, $48 billion total. It it hardly pays for this package. Most of it's unpaid for and will increase the deficit, which Republicans aren't going to like by and large. So you'd think, you know, and they're insisting every penny of the COVID package be paid for. And yet this is a much bigger package for restaurants and it's not paid for. Um, so how do you square the two if you're if you're combining them? It seems like that that might be sort of problematic on the Republican side. I guess they would only need ten Republicans to join all Democrats to get it through. If all Democrats are on board, still seems like a little bit of an uphill struggle there. The one benefit is if they do get it as an amendment, that they don't have to worry about like filibuster on the overall package. So like if they tried to move this as a standalone, Republicans could all filibuster and say, well, this isn't paid for. But when you put an amendment, if there's an agreement to put it up as amendment, then it's just really about, do you support the heart of this bill? And does at that point, if you're faced with the vote and you have to vote either for or against this aid, are there 10 Republicans who feel so strongly about the offsets that they're willing to vote against it? I think Cardin and Wicker believe at the end of the day, no, there are 10 Republicans who'd rather get this aid to these businesses that the offsets won't be as much of an issue. But it, it, it but it is tricky and who knows how it's going to go down it, or if they'll even get the vote. We've talked about the complications of that. So there's a lot still to be worked out on it. Um, and at this point, Cardin says if they do get a vote on an amendment, it would be on the Senate bill text. So then they would have to hope that the House is willing to pass it as is. He believes they would if it was wrapped into the COVID bill that takes away the neutral approach. And then we're left with a, a package that does provide more aid to businesses, but leaves a lot of industries out. And uh, these industries told me that's just picking winners and losers again. And they're a little frustrated by that. All right. So a lot of moving pieces here and not much time to get them all resolved. 
But we'll be tracking it, particularly in this coming week, when we expect to see some kind of legislation come up because they want to get going on it. But that does it for us today. CQ and Roll Call will be covering how these aid measure or measures end up, where they end up and how. Thank you, Lindsay, again for joining me. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. And we will be back next week. <laughs>